What is going on, guys? Today on Drugs and Stuff, we're going to discuss what non-androgens you can add to your TRT to help you reach your goals. I've got timestamps below if you want to skip around through any of it. Uh, L-carnitine, insulin growth, fat burners, thyroid, you name it. We'll talk about it here. After that, we've got your listener questions. And if you want to take part in the next show, then comment below. I can't promise that we'll get your question on, but we're really going to try. We've got like literally 40 questions on the last episode, which is awesome. That tells me that you guys are enjoying our content. Thank you for that. This week, you guys asked us about dealing with scar tissue buildup at the injection site. Lion's main side effects. We dig into that a little bit. Has Dave run a DECA-only cycle? How necessary are carbs to grow muscle? Is it a wise idea to use orals to control your appetite? How to figure out your tolerance to different compounds? Plus, I've got a little British trivia for Dave, and he gives us some dad advice at the end of the show. Like I said, there's timestamps. Feel free to skip around. And if you're new here, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell. We've got several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. Tons of education and entertainment. We're here to help you reach your goals faster and stay as safe as possible in the process. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to the show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by you, the people at Patreon. Thank you for helping to support the programming. We're also brought to you by EvalBloodAnalysis.com. You get your lab works done by Dave if you're in the UK. Uh, we're brought to you by TrueNutrition.com. Use our code THINK for high-quality supplements. Like Literally every protein powder you can think of under the sun, they have that plus a ton of flavors, uh, creatine, uh, everything else. Just check out their website and use our code THINK. Um, we're brought to you by, check that out, Strom Sports Nutrition. Great supplements over in the UK. And we're brought to you by supplementsource.ca for Canadians who have great deals that change week to week. Dave, we've got uh, a fun topic today. We're going to try to stay monetized. We are going, because we didn't do such a good job at that last week, um, YouTube was not happy with our topic about adding orals to your TRT and oral only, you know, cycles. So today we're going to talk about what are the things you can add to your TRT to get the most out of it, how to optimize your TRT with non-androgens. So these are, we're taking your prescription medication that your doctor is giving you and now we're talking about adding legal stuff or basically non-androgens to that uh you know and and how can you get the most out of it and my first thought was actually victoria's thought was um goals you know what are your goals because i think we could go about this in a couple different ways you know if your goal is to grow then what you're adding to it may be different than if your goal was to cut because we could add a fat burner to TRT like Clen or T3, you know, or we could, um, you know, add other compounds to go in the other direction. But what would we think of when we think of non-androgens to optimize our TRT? Well, you've, you've, you've got a conflict there because uh, a fat burner isn't going to optimize your TRT. And well, it's optimize not your, it's let's say, not optimize your results. legal either, young man. Well, it depends on what you're using. There's plenty of over-the-counter fat burners, and in many places in the world, you can get clenbuterol um, from your doctor or your local hog farmer. <laughs> your local pig farmer. <laughs> you can get bacon as well at the same time. <laughs> uh, exactly. If you're on a keto diet, you're set to go. Get your breakfast. Uh, GH is obviously one that pops to mind straight away. Yeah. Um, Which you can get prescriptions for as well. Talk to your doctor, guys. See, we're, we're staying real monetized here. That's the game plan. Yeah, not in the, not in the UK, you can't. Um, da -da 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 -da, peptides. Oh, yeah, peptides. I didn't even think of that. So there's a whole world of stuff. There's, yeah, there's, there's plenty of peptides that are. But, yeah, the, the, the GH releases are pretty good. Um, some of the fat burners aren't so bad. Uh, I mean, MK677, though, is commonly referred to as SARM. It's probably closer to a peptide than it is a SARM in its chemical format. I mean, I know it's non-peptidic, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's definitely not a selective antigen receptor modulator, is it? Yeah. And um yeah, it's not by a your SARM. definition by your definition, SARMs are excluded, which are also are pro hormones. 
Well, I think they are androgenic, though. They're selectively androgenic, right? Exactly. So you said a non-androgenic compound, so that's no SARMs and no pro-hormones. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, we, that would be no SARMs, no pro-hormones either then. I think growth mm. is going to be an all-around good one. Um, I mean, I, I know that you're not the biggest fan of growth, and a lot of that, I think, is like the high dosing. You know, I think if we're talking yeah, about... No, I think of a guy who's on TRT... And let's say he's prescribed enough TRT that he's at like that upper end, or maybe he's doing his TRT himself and he's just checking his levels. He's at that upper end and he's in, say, in his 40s and he's just like cranking along, great shape. And he, you know, wants better recovery and feeling good, feeling full, all of that. Like that to me sounds like a guy who would really, be, and he's got the extra cash on hand. Sounds to me like growth would be a great, great addition for him. I I have nothing against growth. I just this this mythology that's been brought up around it like this. It's this magic compound to supersize. Yeah. That's just quite literally not true. But in the scenario you just suggested, it's a it's a great addition, and I find a lot of people as well experience an inc very increased libido when they they add growth hormone in at a reasonable dose. Huh? Yeah, I think um, I've heard that from people before too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You know, from a youthic, life extension, youthing point of view, a solid TRT with growth in the mix is is, is, a, is a great little combo. No no doubt about that. I mean, obviously, you can go synthetic GH or, or, or pharma grade or, or even UGL. But then you can also, if your budget's tight, you can go the peptide route. And look at your GHRPs or your CJC and go that way at all. And if you're really tight, you can go MK. Though I wouldn't really recommend AK as the best way to look at increasing GH levels. Though it does do it, there comes with certain issues around that one. <laughs> yeah, I think too, like to me, MK doesn't strike me as something that you, excuse me, do long term. You know what I mean? Versus no. if you were to say run two, three units of growth. That's something that somebody could do for an extended time. MK, maybe like, you know, hey, I'm in, I'm doing a, like, a, I'm, I'm trying to grow. I've got the calories up and maybe for that last few weeks or something like that, or three weeks on, three weeks off, you know, something, something along those I, lines. The thing is, I wouldn't look at MK as a source for growth hormone, though I know it does increase it. I've always looked at MK for a source of gremlin. Oh, for it to help with appetite. Yeah. 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 Uh, if I wanted a source, if I was going to go the non-GH route, but I wanted to increase growth hormone, I would definitely go the peptidic route rather than the MK67. Yeah, and I think uh, nowadays I think I, the cost of a good generic growth is in some cases better than like the secretagogues. You know, like years ago, mm -hmm. like 2006, uh, we all thought peptides, the, the secretagogues were going to be like the next coming and this is going to be our way. And I think they were, I think we've talked about this before. They were so popular because people felt like growth was just unattainable, you know, and now I think you can do it for a pretty relatively similar cost without the, um, there's pros and cons then, you know, number one, like the pro, the pro would be the growth that you have in your system. If you increase your natural output, it's going to be like the best quality growth you could have because it's the stuff your body mm -hmm. made, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the con is that you have to be more careful with how you take it, when you take it. There's going to be more frequency of administration. There's going to be a possible interference if your blood sugar insulin levels are higher. You know, you, you, mm -hmm. you need to be a little bit more particular versus growth. You just take it and you've taken it and that's it. It's in your system, you well, know? The, the other thing as well with the peptide route is there is a limitation to how much you can prove. There's a ceiling there. You're, you're yeah. only going to be able to stimulate X amount. And that will vary slightly from person to person, whereas there is no ceiling of the dose you can administrate if you are taking GH. And like you say, generics these days, I mean, UK price-wise, you're probably pound an IU, maybe even slightly less if you've got a good good supplier. Yeah, that'd be a pretty solid hookup. And of course, you know, you got to check because there's good sources and bad sources. So there's Same that. With everything in this, right? Isn't it? I mean, what the, about biggest, the biggest issue we face is quality of compound. Yeah. And, and with that, it's harder to tell. You know, if you were mm -hmm. to say get some, you know, D ball or whatever, 
and it's not doing anything after a couple of weeks, you'll know pretty quick it wasn't legit. Mm. Versus growth, you're kind of like, yeah, maybe I just, you know, maybe it's not giving me any water. Unless you, unless you're taking very high doses, yes. True. If you're doing a, um, if you're doing a almost TRT approach to GH, then uh, yeah, it's going to be very difficult to tell, yeah, and it is subtle. Um, you know, an IU or two IU every other day or every day, you're not, you're probably not actually going to notice its effects that much. It's more going to be people around you that notice them. Hmm. And and it will be their comments that make you go, yeah, you know what? I actually do feel pretty good. I do feel pretty fresh. I do feel quite, you know, you know, because people start saying stuff, oh, you look well. Have you been on holiday? You look really good. You look really well. And and it's quite weird how those those subtle changes in skin tone and, and, and just your general freshness, I suppose. I can't think of a better word to describe it. It's a good way of putting it. It is. What about uh, for fat loss purposes? Um, and, and I think, too, it works as a nice performance enhancer. What about L-carnitine? I used to not be a big fan of it because it used to only come in 200 milligram per milliliter shots. And I would always been under, I was under, always under the impression you had to take 600 milligrams to get an effect. Since then, you know, like Amino Asylum, they make up to 600 milligrams per milliliter. So it's a much more concentrated shot. Um, and and I've discovered that I don't need as much. I don't need to go to 600. I can take 300 or 400 uh, with my pre-workout meal. And I definitely notice a benefit while I'm training. Like I feel warmer. I feel better energy. I sweat a lot more. You know, it does work as a fat burner. Um, and, and if you take it, uh, that route injectable, it's, it's working instantaneous. You don't have to wait like the oral, you have to wait several weeks for it to build up versus you get those levels up that day with, with the injectable route. I've only used it once. I used it at a grammar day. Okay. Um, so I've never tried the lower dose, so I'm not sure, but there was a very immediate and very distinct change as soon as I administrated it. And I was quite surprised because I was, I was a bit like, yeah, yeah, it's not going to be, it might be subtle, but I'm not going to feel, but no, it was a genuine bump. Energy levels, like you say, up straight away. Yeah. It, I felt a genuine change immediately. So I, I yeah, I mean, it's a definite, definite good administration. Obviously, I think with where you really see it come into its a world of its own is when you are in a hard deficit. It mm. really can make a world of difference to utilizing those fat stores and actually feeling the benefit in how you feel on a day-to-day basis as well by yeah. doing that. Um, is that what no, you I mean, got out of it? You got Because you said you noticed a change. Was it you noticed higher energy or what did you notice? So, yeah, pretty much immediately it was... You know, typical dieting and feeling a bit tired and a little bit lack of bump because calories are quite low and everything else, even though fat loss wasn't at particularly at an extreme point in any way, shape, or form at that point when I did use it. As soon as I put it in, like literally within hours, it yeah. was like there was a marked increase in energy levels and it it just it just felt like I'd increased my food dramatically. You know what I mean? I was just I had energy. I, I wanted to do. I was much more up and going. And, how, and how obviously, was the, well, how was the availability there? It's not too bad to get hold of. Problem again is dosing. Um, getting hold of it a strong enough dose is, okay. is can be a bit of a pain. I can't remember what. Um, I can't remember what we get it at, but I think it might actually still only be 200. Yeah, that's what I generally have seen it at. And if I knew then what I know now, I still would have tried it when it was dosed at 200. Like I said, Amino Asylum, by the way, guys, use code THINK if you go over there. Um, They have it 200, 400, and 600. I like, I think think the 600 is fine. I started with the 400 first because I was like, oh, man, this stuff's going to be painful. But if I take, uh, if I if I have the 600 milligram per milliliter, and I'll take like three quarters of a of a milliliter at a time, I I get very little pain from it. I've experimented a little bit with uh, uh, subcutaneous um, shots with it. Now that is hit or miss. 
and I've had other guys that have wanted to try that because the problem is it's a daily shot, you know, and that that mm. gets boring after a while. Uh, I found some people do have issues with sub Q shots with it that it will get more irritated. And the other thing I've noticed is that if I just don't want to take it one day, like, man, I'm overtaking shots, I want to break, I'll take the oral. I'll take 2,000 milligrams orally of acetyl-L-carnitine, and, um, you know, your levels are already built up, so I figure now you're already there, so you can bridge that, you know, for a day or three or whatever with the oral. Yeah, I've never never, never tried the oral, so I've, I've zero experience on the oral whatsoever. All right. What else do we? What else can we think of that would be good to add in addition? I suppose in a growth phase, insulin would be a potential factor. Yeah, I mean you've got you've got insulin, you've got T three. Oh yeah, uh, and I, I know people traditionally think of T three as a fat loss drug, but as we've discussed that time, we had vigorous Steve on. A low dose T three with some insulin in a in a growth phase can really help push the calories in, yeah, uh, and help utilize those calories as well. Very low, I right? Steve, yeah, very low. I'm just, I I know Steve's done it with a couple of clients. Um, oh, shout out to Steve as well because uh, one of his guys was competing in the universe, but I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, nice, um, nice. Um, big lad actually. Uh, yeah, good physique on him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think he had the condition required for the day, but uh, he, he was he was he was decent. He was only about coming to get bloods, but I don't know what happened. It never actually materialised at the end of the day. But he was saying that when we go over in, in at Christmas, we'll have to hook up with him, and Steve. And oh, he's from uh, Thailand, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from Thailand. Yeah, so I mean, fair okay. trip for him to come over and compete. Wow, that's um, cool. I need to get. Well, I remember. I need to get Steve's details of you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I'll remind me after the show. I'll uh, I'll catch um, you guys. But yeah, so yeah, I mean, T three. Well, even insulin can be used in a dietary phase as well. I've seen insulin used quite well to lower BG levels and encourage fat fat metabolism as well. So uh, those both drugs are actually, probably, I think, a little bit more versatile than people realize if used correctly. Yeah, I, I, warning to the beginners. I wouldn't go messing oh, with not. insulin, you know, in a in a cutting phase. At least, you know, to try to get the I, maybe after say um, after you've had like a big cheat. I've known guys who will have a cheat meal, and then the next day they're nine pounds up and they've arrested fat loss. I could see getting blood sugar down there, but for a guy who is an ecto, you probably, you know, in a lot of cases, you're going to do just fine. You know, I Burn, think if down. you've I think if you've used it in an off season, then you've you've gonna have an easier ride to bring it into at least the first part of a dietary phase. Sure. I, it's not a drug I would go. Well, I've not used it before. I'm gonna lose weight, so I'd start messing with Flint. That's no, a good way of putting no, it. No, no, we're not, we're not going there. But if you've used it in off season to push your calories high, uh, then it can make sense to continue it through. Because a lot of people, oh, I'm dieting now. I've got to stop the slim, and it's not always the case. It can be handy to leave it in. And then start to taper it down when you start to get lower and lower on your calories and lower, lower on your condition. That's your insulin sensitivity naturally starts to increase to a much greater extent. Yeah. Now, you mentioned T3. And I, I know a lot of people will say, uh, T3, it's gonna it doesn't catabolize just as much muscle as it does fat. You know, it just burns everything. And that is kind of true to an extent. But I, I do want to remind us that on TRT... You are very well supplied with what you need to retain muscle, and that uh, if you were if you were going real crazy with the T three, sure you're going to flatten out with it. But if you if you use it in addition to a cutting phase to push it a little bit further, I could definitely see you do not definitely see. I have seen people do absolutely just fine with say you know their TRT test, whatever that might be. Well, the the other thing as well is it's a bit. You're also looking at supporting your natural function when you start to find T3 levels drop because of the stress of being in a deficit for an extended period of time. So there's that right. element as well. I mean, we do see a little bit of thyroid downregulation in hard course. So there's there's a almost a medical sense around adding a low dose T3 in at the back end of a diet anyway. 
that's the way I've always tried to phrase it to to people. And I've seen situations where somebody's dieting really hard, dieting really hard, and they're not getting. No matter what we do, it's rare. But no matter what we do, we're not seeing movement. And then a, just a small dose of T3 can be enough. And it's the same thing with TRT in itself. You know, As we diet, our hormone levels begin to decrease. And you take any natural guy who's absolutely peeled, his test levels are not going to be as great as they were in the off-season. You know? And no, that's no, where no. we begin to risk like losing muscle. So it, it really does become a performance enhancer even at even at replacement doses. And that goes for both of those things, you know, test and, and thyroid. Mm. Yeah, no, they both have their place. And obviously we, there, there is adulteration of thyroid through GH use as well. So there's yes. sometimes a need to su supplement there. Um, so there's lots of factors where they start to overlap. Can I go off topic slider? Yeah. Same, same story or like completely off topic. It's not linked, really, but it is in another okay. way, sort of. But it's a lot more general. Okay. So I've just finished doing a chapter for a book with Maya uh, Underwood, the anthropologist from Australia. Oh, yeah, did, yeah. Does his study and does all the other stuff. So UK started a, a bit of an interaction between the user community and professionals trying to create a bridge Okay. for, for better two-way communication. Um, it's not really got off the ground, no fault of anyone's. The guy that was campaigning it's been quite ill, so things have mm. just stagnated a little bit. Not the end of the world, it will will rebirth in time. But me and her have just, uh, just written a chapter. We did it in the form of an interview because we thought it would be the easiest way to get it across. Okay. About a more synergistic and integrated approach to anabolic research, harm reduction, uh, uh, and safe use or safer usage, should I say? I don't think you can call it safe usage. Sure. By creating much better communication pathways via a midway group of user community individuals that will bridge between academics and users. And one of the things we discussed was a review of current practice. So why this came to head or why I've just suddenly popped in my head in this conversation is, is because we just suggested about the use of T4 in with GH. Right. So one of the, the early things, and that in essence is a bit of a harm reduction move because we know that GH lowers T4 function. Right. Uh, or T4 levels. So what the first proposal is that this integrated or this allied approach to managing drug risk is that they will review current practices huh. and review the science behind current practices, like the use of T4 when using GH. Okay. And, and object, objectively, from an academic point of view, look at the pros and cons. So wait, but the, who, who, they're going to look at that idea? Who, who is, My, I'm, who's looking at so this? It's more, so it's more broad academia in general. So this oh, is the okay. move. This is what we're proposing. I we're see. proposing that acad academics throughout the world that have an interest in ASUs yeah. start to communicate more freely with users. I see. And the way they're going to develop that two-way conversation is that they're going to start giving information that's useful to users. I got so you. Yeah. We as a community... Um, we do lots of things for harm reduction. So the reason why this has triggered my brain was, for example, when using GH, we recommend taking T4. Right. Yes? Yeah, yeah. we recommend it as being a potential thing to consider that you may need. Definitely get your lab work done to see if that applies to you. It might not apply to everybody, but yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and at the same time, there's a recommendation by a lot of people to add in stuff like metformin or telesmartin into your drug stacks for various reasons. Yes, right? yes. So the the academic world has always struggled in getting a good rapport and relationship with the user community because they're not trusted. Okay. And generally, they're, they're out of touch. Right, they are. They don't, they, they don't produce work that's relevant. So this is a massive step forward to try and get the academic people to start looking at what we currently do and confirming that the science supports it by 
people in that field that are experts in endocrinology, yeah, are great. experts in growth hormone, are experts in thyroid function, and can actually say from an endemic point of view, yes, this is best practice. I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that. Um, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some time. But uh, yes, so when we started talking about T4 with GH, it just reminded me, well, that is actually a form of harm reduction. It's a form of side management. Yeah, and it's what I was talking about this morning. Um, in and at the end of the to- day, you're going to improve your results. You know, I think I think we're looking at it. There's two ways you can look at it. You can look at it as okay, yeah, that's harm reduction because then you keep your thyroid in check. Or you can look at it as well. Then that way, I make sure I get the most out of it, and I'm going to make sure that I get my results. The reality is, well, this- those two things are tied. You know, I used to think yes. that we would have to drive the body forward and force it to make progress. But now I've come to realize it's a, it's a lot more nuanced than that. It's about keeping the body healthy. And sometimes people get the wires crossed. And they're like, oh, you know, we had one guy who was like, ah, you guys are, you know, promoting TRT only now. You know, <laughs> what about the high dose guys? And, and the reality is, you know, there's a place for everything. But uh, it, it, the, the key is keeping the body healthy allows us to reach our goals and continue reaching them, right? So it's, a, it, well, it's, it's interesting. Go ahead. Both sides. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting you said that because one of the big stigmas and one of the big problems towards communication between these two groups is that academics' idea of harm reduction is to lower usage, lower dose in an effort to eventually stop using. Yeah. Okay. Users' pri- user's primary goal is to get bigger and stronger, Right, but if we if we're lucky, we don't fuck ourselves up in the progress of doing that. <laughs> yeah, so that's our harm reduction. Is well, I want to get bigger and stronger, but I don't really want to have to mess myself up if I can avoid it. Right. So one of the big points in this 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 conversation is that academia has to realise that by creating more efficient pathways of use, they do in fact actually create harm reduction because less drugs are needed. Therefore, less harms are done as long as the result is either the same or greater. That makes total sense, man. Yeah. I'm down so with that. This is, this is one of the big stumbling blocks that we've addressed is that, look, we, we've got to stop this. We want you to stop using approach and we've got to start looking at, well, let's first look at what you're doing and see if it's right. See if it's grounded in science. And then once we've done that... And they freely admit they'll probably learn a lot in that process because the user community is a long way forward than they are in certain aspects. Yeah. Um, and it may be a case of stuff like in regards to certain drugs that you say metformin, so it's mine, that yes, that's a good drug for XYZ, but don't use if you've got ABC. And it'd be nice to, to have the, um, the actual scientific community involved instead of... One of the issues I think I've seen is um, people who have put themselves on a podium and claimed that they're experts at at interpreting studies uh, and then claiming that, you know, this is the way based off of their interpretation. I would love to have those things challenged. And and hey, who knows? We might have we might have scientists learn from that, or the academic community learn from that, and that would help us take them further. Or they might be able to say, no, actually, you got the science wrong here. You misinterpreted this aspect of this study. Or if you look at these studies over here, you know what I'm saying? It it'd be nice to have some proof checking. Is is what it comes down to. Well, the the thing is, we may even be able to get the actual people that wrote those papers involved. Yeah. Yeah. So you can actually have the author of that paper go, no, actually, what I found was this, <laughs> or, or yes, yeah. no, that is correct, but I'd never looked at it from that angle. You know, so there's all sorts of things there. But, yeah, it was just when we started talking about the synergy of drugs there and how we take one to offset the other, it reminded me that I've been having this conversation over the last few days. All right, well, let's see what we have for listener questions, speaking of some harm reduction here. Hey, guys, here's a video of Victoria refilling our glass collagen jar that we keep next to our coffee maker. We add a scoop to our coffee each day. It's 29 grams of protein, plus collagen is great for your connective tissue. This is hydrolyzed beef collagen from True Nutrition. Use our code THINK for additional savings. Um, so Damon Sim 
And by the way, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. If you're new to our content, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell. We have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. Lots of education and entertainment from Dave and myself and a bunch of other people. So thank you for watching. Uh, and if you have any questions, feel free to comment below. Uh, we'll try to tackle them on the next episode. These are all from YouTube. So Damon Sim had said, um, have either of you ever experienced a situation where the drugs actually played a massive role in a client's development. He says, yeah. like we thought it would in the 90s. They still do. I, I think yeah. there's a mis... I think there's a, a confusion sometimes. We talk about health, we talk about safety, we talk about using the effective minimum dose. But we don't... We can't leave the reality that, you know, I wouldn't have been the size I was... Mm without a healthy whack of drug, maybe not quite as high as I went, but there definitely wouldn't be one gram cycles. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be in the three, four gram region. Um, and there is, there is a point at which where, you know, if you want a certain level of development, you're going to need a certain level of drug use. It's just as simple as that. That's unavoidable unless you are an absolute genetic freak. And those two people do exist. And I know a couple of them. Um, I mean, Sean Tavernier is, is, is a genetic anomaly. That fucker can grow on fresh air and fucking dandelion leaves. <clears throat> He's incredible. I think Ronnie Coleman's very much in the same sort of belt of that. I mean, you know, having looked at Ronnie's career retrospectively now, I think we can definitely say that those early shots where he claimed natural, we all went bullshit. No, he probably bloody was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he went on he went on to achieve such a massive physique you know the thing i will say is so i know uh i know this listener uh and i've worked with him for a period of time great guy too and uh you know he's an older guy older lifter and um you know middle-aged dude and he's run gear you know for a good chunk of time i think that at this point, if you've had a ton of experience running various dose cycles and you haven't seen that happen yet, there's probably not a combination of compounds like that are going to magically do something differently than what you've already got. Like you said, Dave, higher doses. Yeah, higher doses will work. But you know what, too, though? There's guys that can you can take a guy like um, Ronnie. And obviously, he beat himself up with training. He's had his, his issues, but you know he he didn't take himself out of the game after three years because his kidney shut down. You know what I mean? Like he was able to tolerate the gear that he used. Like genetics on that front, apparently, we're we're doing okay. Um, you can you can to an extent try to blow up. Um, and try to get to that massive size by overdoing things like that's where I think abuse comes in and it but it, it like it doesn't last long term like you can't you're not going to be a guy who's going to maintain that for you know a long period of time right no I, yeah I mean that there's there's so many genetics that play into the factor of this I, I think the bottom line is that my standpoint's always been it's not about using less or running low doses it's always been about maximizing the other areas so that you get the most out of the drugs you use so my argument's always been that and it's a difficult one to sometimes convince people because my argument's been is if you want to put on for argument say 20 kilograms of muscle which is yeah. a decent chunk of tissue um you may be able to do that by doing four or five cycles of two and a half grams yeah. Yeah. Um, with okay training. But if you got your training and diet right, you could do that with four cycles of one and a half grams. So my point's always been that if you can improve the training, train harder, train more effectively, then you don't need as many drugs. And if you want to push levels even further in the size of growth, then you can do that without getting to a point where you're using ridiculous amounts that are going to be incredibly stressful to your body. It's not that those amounts are wrong. It's just that they may be unnecessary, and therefore you're putting yourself under the necessary strain that you didn't need to. Yeah. But, I mean, if you if you want to walk around at six foot at a 380-pound mass monster in reasonable condition, you ain't getting there without a hefty chunk of drugs. It's just that's the reality of it. Yeah. But let's, let's, let's at least make everything we do as effective as possible. 
so we reduce the risks as much as possible. That was has always been my, and I think people sometimes confuse that message into it's a oh no, you need to keep doses low. Not at all. It's relative to the individual, but you need to be aware of the risks you're exposing yourself to. Yeah. All right. We got a bunch of questions here, so we'll see if we can kind of jump through a bunch of these. Some of them are comments too. We got some comments here. A lot of a lot of comments on your artwork. Dave, a lot of people really appreciated uh, your drawing, and some people didn't know that you did that stuff. Barry says, uh, what should I do about scar tissue from continuous IM shots? Uh, I don't want atrophied calves from glute shots. Is a full-blown sub-Q cycle valid in this case? I would say no. I, I would say I don't think a sub-Q cycle is ever valid. I think doing a cycle sub-Q is just too much volume of oil. Depends on your what you call a cycle, right? Like if your well, cycle is three hundred milligrams, eh, you might be able to get away. You with, might get you know? away, yeah. Even five hundred, but there's going to be a limitation there for sure. You you can rotate sites. That's one way to minimize scar tissue. But the other way is just deep tissue work. It will get rid of the scar tissue. Takes time, yeah. It does like buggery, but it works. You don't need to, you know. But there's we've done this before but it's worth repeating you've got glue you've got quad for some people not everybody will tolerate a quad shot granted you've got delt you've got bicep you've got tricep they are probably main injection sites and then from there some people can get away with lat i never could some people can get away with pec i never could but i got away with calves a lot of people can't handle that i one. can't i never <laughs> tried i never tried I found that one okay, but I couldn't do I couldn't do light and pet shots. So the, there is a variety of areas you can go into. Um, Have you ever gotten really bad scar tissue? Oh yeah, my shoulders. At one point, you'd put the needle in, and it would be like you were trying to push it through grit, like the snap, crackle, and pop. That's what I remember hearing well, and feeling. Yeah, it's calcific it's calcification, but. A good, you know, so two or three weeks of a weekly deep tissue work, and and that breaks down, and it's reabsorbed by the body, and the problem's gone. So it's not something that can't be dealt with. It took me a long time to break it down. I had some in my glutes, and I, I'd only used glutes basically just rotating two shots a week. You know, left, right, left, right, left, right, and after a series of cycles uh, doing that, I discovered that. You know, I was getting those snaps, crackles, and pops, finding that there were shots that were hard to push in. And I literally had to give one side a break. And I, you know, foam rolled, all of that. Um, and, and over time, it did it did repair itself. And now when I do TRT shots, I'm totally fine. I don't get those snaps and crackles and pops anymore. I don't think foam rolling from a point of view of breaking down scar tissue is anywhere near invasive enough. I think you proper need someone that's going to, get in and dig the yeah. fibers yeah i never yeah. i mean i had uh, had deep tissue work but you know really getting on it i found i could i could get the right angle and and really dig in with a hard i, and I use a hard foam roller too i don't know if that makes a difference the i suppose the um a cricket ball or a baseball yeah. would work quite well absolutely um, but yeah the, the 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 fiber release does is quite it needs to be quite violent in the sense that it needs to be quite a hard massage. You're not going to get it by your general just sort of, you know, bump, 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 squeezing away. It's no, yeah, it does have out. to be, you are right, it does have to be pretty deep. And my, I should say my foam roller, it's from Elite FTS, and it's a very firm foam roller. I also have one that is garbage. Like, you lay on it, and it's just soft, and you squish into it. Like, that's definitely not going to do anything. But I, I, I agree, you're probably right. Scott Stevenson chimed in, too, by the way. He said that he would love to be put in touch with Maya. He said that he would love to contribute, um, if this is possible. So, I figured I'll throw that out there to you. Scott, drop her a message. We, we've done the chapter. It's done, done dusted, and, and we'll be getting submitted, I believe, tomorrow. Uh, but by all means, definitely drop her a message because um, I'm sure she'll be keen to expand on it. It's something where we've already started inroads in the UK, but as I say, it stalled a little bit due to some key parties being unwell. Um, Scott would be yeah, great I, for this. I, 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 he's the example I use because I think Scott is the living example of the bridge. Yeah, exactly. You know, he is this this bit of both. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, this is Dave Crossland's personal stalker. He says, question for the next podcast. Um, I don't know if you have experience with lion's mane. He says, does lion's mane mushrooms affect people negatively? I've seen Ryan Russo, a YouTuber, suffering from the side effects of lion's mane. Is lion's mane that dangerous? Thank you, guys. Appreciate your content. Um, Scott, can you answer this one? <laughs> well, you're watching. Uh, no, I'm at Mr. Stevenson. Um, yeah. I have some thoughts, but have you? I haven't used it personally. But no, I haven't either. I know that it affects... Uh, serotonin and dopamine mm -hmm. production and i could imagine that anything that's going to have an effect on your neurotransmitters could especially what else are you taking what else are you doing i think that in the right individual that could cause issues i know that for myself using um you know like like i've used ssris in the distant past i didn't do well with them i would get too much serotonin pooling up and that caused issues I know that uh, it also um, can cause gastric issues. So I'm not sure what side effects. I think we'd need more clarification too on what side effects he's talking about. But my thought, and I'm sure you would agree, anything that affects dopamine and serotonin could potentially have some sort of issues, especially if the dose was too high. I think a lot of this relies on dosing. Um, I think a lot of the lion's main supplements out there are generally on the lower end of dosing, so relatively for most people safe to use. Scott has and I use that that yeah, I use that term safe very loosely there. I've no experience of the actual mushrooms themselves. Um or no experience of anyone actually using the mushrooms themselves. So I don't know what the dose concentration is like in its natural form in comparison to a supplement. Um, I know a couple of lion's mane supplement or a couple of supplements that contain lion's mane that have been very effective and very useful to several people that have used them. But whether there's um, a potential accumulation problem there or a potential long-term problem there, that I'm unaware of. Have you ever seen what lion's mane looks like? Check this out. No, I haven't actually. I don't even know what it looks like. Look at that. Isn't that wild? Uh, that, hence why it gets its name. That it makes, makes a sense. lot of sense now. Right? Right? Yeah. I always wondered where the name came from. Yeah. Yeah, I see it um, here dosed around 2,000 milligrams. Uh, yeah, Scott said he felt awful taking it. I never tried it. I just never. I think I've had it in, the, like, I've seen it in some pre-workouts nowadays. But, you know, it was probably pixie dusted in and, you know, not at a full dose. Well, I know, I know, I know Support Max Euro has lines main in. Um, okay. And I know people who have had very, very positive results from using that. Okay. Um, I'm not of anyone who's had negative, but that's not to say it's not possible. I just, I'm not aware of anyone who has. Yeah, did you? That? Oh, no, I don't think you did. Massive anxiety, proper flushing. Oh, okay. Uh, well, apparently my good lady did get some issues with it. So. Uh, oh, I heard her say massive anxiety, huh? Mm. Yeah, there we go. Um, there, like I said, we got a bunch of comments like this one. Um, can you do a show on Dave's artwork? What if we just did like um, a drawing show? Like, uh, you know, the guy with the big hair? What's his name? The painter guy? Bob Ross? He's more American than UK, but I do know what you mean because I've seen him in clips and stuff. Yeah, you just have like you drawing a picture and you'd be like, and now we're going to do, you know, pretty little trees in the background. No, like so if, if, if people generally want to see my artwork, I can always, we can always do a zoom to the phone and I can just walk around the house and show you the pictures on the walls. We should do that. We should do that. If you shot a video. Uh, you could send it to me and we could watch the video and talk about it and you could talk about the art and we could like stop the camp you know what I mean we could stop the video on each piece and stuff uh, uh, I, I think uh, people would enjoy that Dave have you ever done a DECA only cycle no I've I've done personally I pretty much really finished with my cycles by the time the, the, the more I mean I know there was Decorating Cycles was popular way back in the 70s. Uh, Robbie Robinson being one of the, the key um, promoters of it. 
Um, I've not personally, I, I, my test decker ratios were all very traditional. Yeah, me too. Um, but I've never really had an issue with, with tolerating estrogen either, so it was never a concern. I have done low test high decker with clients, and for the most part, it's been well tolerated. There's been a few people that have struggled with it, um, but for the most part, it's been well tolerated. Uh, but I've never, ever looked at a decker only. No. I know there was a, a bit of a move towards them a couple of years ago. It might even be longer now. It might even be three, four years ago. Um, and there was a lot of talk about decker only cycles. But when I actually looked into the protocols that were being suggested, it was decker and debo. Okay. So it wasn't really a decker only cycle either. So. What about this one? So we put our show out this week on Memorial Day, and Matt Afton said, wow, what a great Memorial Day surprise. Uh, thanks, Scott and Dave. He says, what are your thoughts on carbohydrates for anabolism? Are they really necessary? And if so, is there a specific amount of um, per pound or kilogram um, that has found to be optimal? I imagine there's some variance, but was curious. Thank you both. Unfortunately, that is way out of my knowledge base. I, I can't even attempt to answer that. Sorry. Well, I can tell you so this. that's down to you. Okay, I'll tell you this. that. So I'm currently working with a guy, uh, Taylor, and he, is, uh, he, he came to me wanting to get into shape, okay? And we started a cut phase. And we, he, he wasn't very insulin sensitive. I think he, he had higher fasted blood sugar. You know, wasn't super responsive to carbs. Eventually, we worked him down to a low carbohydrate diet. And now, uh, he's been on that for a while. And we've, we've added carbs back in pre-workout. So he is getting 45 grams of carbs per day. And at this point, with those carbs... He is getting ridiculously full. He said his training has been like off the hook crazy. His pumps are ridiculous. His strength is crazy. He's eating 45 grams of carbs per day. So I'll just say this. When I first started working with him, his diet was pretty lax and he had carbs in every meal. And he wasn't get. I mean, all he was really doing was kind of storing fat. And now we're in a position where he's using 45 grams of carbs and he's getting great fullness. Uh, we're still we're still losing fat with this. But if we were to say add a little bit more carbs from here, uh, I'm confident that he would begin to really grow. So, I mean, for him, I could probably say 90 grams of carbs would be the optimal place. But that would only be for a period of time. You know what I mean? Over time that would change. So I guess my point is, is that, you know, where are you at? If you're in the place that Taylor's at, then, you know, you, you would, uh, you would probably, you know, you would probably do really well on fewer carbs. If you're in a place where Dave Crossland is, you're probably going to eat a lot more carbs. If, you know, when you were trying to push to get, you know, your ultimate size. So I, I don't think I, it's I a think question that we can say across the board. No, I mean, my gut on it, is that um, I don't know a lot of very large people that are keto. Yeah. There you go. So that would be my overview. Scott's still with us. Um, yeah, he, he keeps making comments. I'm trying to read them. Yeah. Um, but... I, I would suspect that there will be a percentage of people where a low-carb approach is going to be more beneficial, but I would have thought that the majority of people are going to benefit from having at least a reasonable amount of carbs in their diet. All other things aside, so that's making sure that insulin sensitivity is already correct and it's in a good managed place and it's not absolutely dog shit and all the rest of it that goes with it. Um, but, yeah, I, I've I've... I found recomping keto quite easily to achieve or in low-carb environments quite easy to achieve. I, I, I've not found great results in general with low-carb approaches to trying to get huge. Yeah. 
Um, but I've also not found high protein approaches to uh, to uh, getting used to be particularly beneficial either. Hmm. All right. I think that I think it's going to depend really on the individual, mm. you know, and like that guy who was having the blood sugar issues. I'm really confident that he's having a great response now. You know what I mean? It's like mm. we've we've changed how sensitive he is to the carbohydrates. And so and I think that that's yeah. really the key is, you know, you could grow in a lot less if you're if you're sensitive. And then if you can try to keep maintaining that sensitivity. Um, yeah. But, you know, a lot of people, they just they come to you to they come to me and they like they, they want to grow but they're already holding a lot of body fat. And if we give them any food, it doesn't really do anything. You know, it just stores more no, fat, I, you know? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and you know, you want examples of how well people can respond to exactly the same food or exactly the same carries as they've viewed previously, but with a much greater increased insulin sensitivity. Just look at someone coming on a rebound from our show. Exactly. Yeah. Particularly if you just reverse diet them. If you reverse diet somebody out of a show correctly and you do it properly, they can be on exactly the same calories they were on prior to dieting for the comp, but they will be bigger, they will be leaner, they'll be more responsive because you've kept that insulin sensitivity where you want it and it's had a much more positive effect on, on how they utilize the, the food that you're putting into them. Yeah. And that's exactly what our plan is going to be, too. Um, all right. So what about orals for actually controlling appetite? Um, Brian says, my question is, if orals crush your appetite, couldn't you use them to lean out? Um, if you don't want to eat as much and you cut calories because of lack of appetite, it, um, as much and you cut calories because of lack of appetite, wouldn't it be beneficial to use an oral to preserve the muscle while leaning out. Thanks, guys, and welcome back, Christmas Cabbage. I'm glad Dave bailed you out of jail again. I didn't know Christmas Cabbage went to jail. Oh, he the, did last time he the came brothel. To, that's 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 an old reference, is there? Yeah. Um. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Back when he was here in the U.S., he hasn't been in, really invited to stay with me since. You know, it's been a, an issue, but. I mean, we've made a few excursions. I think he came to the Olympia with me, but we'll see. We'll see if Dave will let him visit again. Um, I wouldn't specifically move to an oral, um, and I definitely wouldn't include an oral for that appetite drive effect or lack of drive effect. Yeah. Uh, but... If it's going to be in there anyway, then yes, it, it's it's going to lower your appetite, but it's also going to stress your stomach. Yeah, it's going to lower your, your. The other thing you've got to look at, there's a counter to this, which is if orals irritate your stomach, then there's potential of inflammation, and therefore the result of that is poor absorption. If you're in a calorie deficit, then the last thing you want is to not be utilizing what you are eating very well for the simple reason is you're not going to get enough nutrients into the system of what you need. So there is, you know, issues around oral scoring malabsorption as well. Um, and when you've got a limited number of calories coming in every day, you want to make sure you're getting what you need out of those calories. Yeah. So it is a bit of a double-edged sword. Um, I get the logic, but it wouldn't be something I would potentially really look at doing. As I mean, it's quite funny you said it, actually, because, sorry, just, to, you know, yeah. the injectable pen, the, the diabetic drug that they use to trash appetite for fat loss. Oh, semaglutide or Ozempic? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we've had a number of people through blood testing that have been using that. Yeah, and saying that they're really tired and they're feeling unwell and they've got no energy, and it's because they haven't actually changed the quality of their diet. So now huh. they're hardly eating, but what they are eating is garbage. Yeah, yeah, and 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 as a result, they are actually suffering from malnutrition. Oh, I could totally see that. So that wow. that that's a potential risk with 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 over overuse of orals in a diet phase because you want to try and cramp your appetite with them. Yeah, I could totally see that, man. Um, I've seen in my personal experience in the off season um, when I need my appetite, it would orals would definitely have a negative effect, especially D ball in contest mm -hmm. prep. I just remained hungry. They never they never did anything <laughs> to help, so I haven't seen that. I've used um, ECA 
uh, and, and even just Ephedrine on its own, I found that that is decent for appetite suppressant, suppression. Yeah. And even like a half tap, like 12 and a half milligrams, I found it might not be the greatest fat burner at, you know, used on its own at a half a tab, but I have found that it will take the edge off, uh, you know, so there is that. Caffeine's a decent appetite suppressant as well, to be fair. Absolutely. A um, couple more here. That's all we have time for. Let's see here. Uh, says a uh, question for the next podcast. Let's say you really want to get to know how you react to each compound. Would it be a good method to do a cycle with just high test, then a cycle of low test, like 300, and then start another compound with it, say 300, and escalate up through the cycle until uh, it until into sides? Um, this way you can find your sweet spot for each compound. I always ran two to three compounds at equal doses, and it's hard to tell which drug is responsible for what I'm experiencing. Would cycles where you experiment like this also be productive? Uh, yes and no. Um, what compounds do is pretty set in stone your sensitivity to what those compounds do is very much down to the individual. The problem is, so say I do a gram of test, so I know I'll react on a high dose of test, then I drop it down to, let's go proper down TRT. I go down to 150. Yeah. Uh, then, then I do a gram of DECA with 150 of test. So now I know what DECA feels like almost on its own. Yeah. And then I go down to 150 and I do a gram of MAST. There are certain side effects that are going to be created by that masteron, for example, like very low estrogen. Yeah. That will make me feel like dog shit that aren't really actually relevant if I'm doing 400 or 500 mega masteron with four or 500 mega test. True. Because like, the ratios change, change everything straight away. Yeah, just like the high test is going to produce more estrogen, and that estrogen is going mm. to have an effect on what that, you know, gram deca would do, mm. right? Yeah, so there is interactions, not particularly between the, the compounds themselves. So like test and deca don't interact in any way. But, you know, if you've got high estrogen and then you add in an androlone and you drive prolactin up because of dopamine suppression, then you've got a combination that isn't good. So where you could manage high estrogen probably quite well in one scenario, you're not going to manage high estrogen and high prolactin very well. So I, I get the theory, but the reality of it is you're much better learning what the compounds do. And then when you, when you do your cycles, you know the areas of concern you need to look at. You know where you're, you need to be concerned about. You know if you're using test and DECA that prolactin is definitely something to be concerned about. Estrogen is definitely something to be concerned about. If you're using test and mass, you know that mass is anti-estrogenic. So you know estrogen's concerned, but in the opposite effect, now your concern is estrogen too low. Is this going to be a counterproductive measure because my estrogen is too low? Sure. Um, so learn what the compounds do, because um, what the compounds do is what they do. You know, tests will always convert to estrogen. In every single person that tests testosterone, it converts to estrogen. However, if you're a chubby, then it's going to convert to estrogen at a much higher rate. <laughs> if you're comp prep condition then it, the conversion is going to be much less plus you've got natural genetics that will lean towards one or the other um so though it will always do it it can vary massively from person to person and environment as to buy how much so the only real way of doing it is to have a look you know certain things you'll learn how you feel to where your bloods are as to, to you'll start to learn that, oh, yeah, okay, then, you know, that's what it feels like when I've got this scenario in my bloods. That's what it feels like when I've got that scenario in bloods. And that can give you a good indication of where you're at without doing blood testing in a future cycle. But the only way you're going to learn this is to do the cycle. I mean, I always recommend that somewhere between week three and week six, you do a hormone check. You take your test, your estrogen, and your prolactin. Um, and then you can set your management based on those results. And I think, too, he said um, to, to find your sweet spot. So he wants to keep raising the dose until he were to get side effects. 
and then he would know he'd have to dial it back from there. I feel like the sweet spot is what's the least amount you can take and get the results you want. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't necessarily well, take it up to the point where you get sides even. Uh, and that's just well, a, that just was, a cycle plan in general, I'm thinking, you know? Well, that will change as well with each cycle. And, Absolutely. And also how the downtime has been between two cycles. Ah. If I go on a cycle, I go, say, say I do a pretty heavy one. I go a gram and a half, two gram. Um, and then I take six months off, and I do another cycle, same dose. I'm probably going to cope with that quite well. But if that's that second cycle, I then only take eight weeks off, and then I go back into the same dose of cycle, I'm probably going to have problems this time because there hasn't been enough time in between cycles for all the stress from the previous cycle to fully go. I'm you know that. I'm going to be carrying some shit into the next cycle, and so I'm not going to tolerate the next cycle as well. Plus, what's happening around in my life? You know, have I got stress at home? Have I got stress in the workplace? Am I working more hours? Temperatures, time of year. You All noted that, Dave, can, uh, yeah. under construction. Didn't you say under construction, yeah. too? You weren't in the best spot. To, in retrospect, it wasn't a great time to start that cycle. Didn't you no, say I, you I were still doing Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I need and I think that, you know, there's all these variants that can kick in. We, we, we know this. We know, irrespective of our cycles, when life is at its sweet spot, when things are going well, we grow well. When life's shit, as bosses are twat, the missus hates us, the kids are playing up, even the dog's taking to chewing my shoes, we know we're not going to grow well. Because stress in our life prevents decent recovery and growth. Yeah. Uh, Jake said, um, great show as always, guys. Good to see Dave's sarcasm is rubbing off on you, Scott. I think Dave gets his dry sarcasm from me, personally. He's learned his British humor from me, an American. You're a very poor American. <laughs> what does that mean? You drive a mini. <laughs> yeah, and you don't you don't wear cowboy boots or a cowboy hat. <laughs> I'll work on that. Oh, here we you've go. Not got a, you've got you've got another big pickup. You want proof that high that low carbs doesn't grow muscle? Zed said Frank Zane was low carb, as he mentioned in prep. Fifty grams off season. One hundred and fifty grams. One hundred and eighty pound bodybuilder. Frank Zane. There you go. Proof that low carbs does not grow muscle. <laughs> well, that's a that's a bit harsh, but I, I think I think Frank's diet was relative to his goals and what he was trying to achieve with his physique as well. Frank was never sure. never interested in being a man's monster. Never interested in carrying shit tons of muscle. He preferred the aesthetic, and that was the route he pursued. Yeah. And as a result of that, he didn't need any more carbs. Yeah, fantastic bodybuilder, by the way. So. Mm. Before you start commenting, you can, guys, you can hit the backspace button a few times. I like Frank Zane. He's a fantastic bodybuilder. Um, all right. Let's see if we have time for maybe one more here. Let's see if we can find a good one, Dave. A real good one. It's an acne question. Hair loss. Uh, coming off a of T3. I'd say reverse off a of T3 slowly. Uh, acne issues. It's usually hormone stability. Um, what does this mean? Oh, yeah, and I had to tell you some some uh, some uh, trivia I learned. Uh, Dave's off with the fairies at the beginning. Bless him. Great show, Scotty. What does that mean, off with uh, the fairies? Not focused. Oh, when I was doing the intro, and you're probably like doing your own thing, texting your friends. You're on the Snapchat. You're I don't on the have TikTok. any friends. Oh, that's right. Okay, I got trivia for you. So... Who's that new king you guys have? You guys have a new king in town, right? Charles, yes. Okay. And who's his wife? Um, Camilla. Camilla. So I think it was Camilla and Charles. I think it was them. They were at some sort of function with these kids in a park. And these kids were asking Camilla, I believe it was Camilla, if they could have her autograph. And she said no. And I guess that 
there's a stipulation that the royal family is never allowed to sign autographs so that people don't have their signatures. They can't be reproduced. I guess that's a thing. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's true or if she's just a miserable cow. <laughs> she has the reputation for not being the most pleasant of individuals. Oh, really? Obvi I, obviously, I've not met her personally, so I don't know if that is how sustained that is. But um, she's had the reputation, yes, of being a bit of a sour-faced, miserable bitch. Um, so I don't know if there is a rule that the royals can't sign autographs. Yes. Oh, there is apparently. Oh. Boss has just spoken. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So yes, they can't. No. She said, "I yes. can't sign autographs, but I can draw you a little picture if you'd like." So she drew little pictures for these children instead. That's why I don't sign autographs. You just don't know how to spell your name, Dave. X is fine. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Scott's freaking trolling us. He said, yeah, Frank Zane definitely under-delivered under -delivered by winning three Mr. Olympias. He's freaking trolling us yeah. right now. You realize that. The, the, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah. The, All right. I've seen more meat. I've seen more meat and a butcher's pencil, Scott. Oh, what's a, oh, a butcher's pencil. I got you. I thought maybe that was a specific tool they had, but I, I see what you mean. It's good, Dave. Wasn't your, wasn't your, Scott. Wasn't your grandfather a butcher? He was, yeah. 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 We we should tell that story again sometime. That was interesting. But I know that you have stuff to do. I have stuff to do. And we appreciate you guys tuning in. Like I mentioned at the beginning, if you're new to our content, you should hit the subscribe button because you'll learn more trivia about the royal family when you watch this show. Plus, you'll learn a whole bunch of stuff about gear and TRT and everything else. And you get to hang out with your best friend, Dave. Go to evalbloodanalysis.com. You get your lab work done by Dave. In fact, I think that Jason Corrick is coming to see you tomorrow. He says, afternoon, gents. See you tomorrow, Dave. And we got a bunch of other he comments is. here. Um, so thank you guys, everybody, for tuning in on the live stream. Thank you to our Patreon people. You guys are freaking awesome. I appreciate all the support with the shows. I'm going to put up a new question thread over there. So stay tuned. Post up your questions for all the programs. Uh, thank you to truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK for additional savings and to support our programming. Let me know if you have any questions about any of their products. Strom Sports, Strom Sports Nutrition. If you're in the UK, you can get some great health supplements over there. They got some performance stuff too. And um, of course, uh, supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. Dave, if you were to give the world just a little piece of dad advice, what would it be? Hmm. Serious dad advice or piss take dad advice? Whatever you want. Like, give us some dad. Give us some heart to heart. Heart to heart dad advice. To close. Uncle Dave advice. Okay. Do not judge people by your standards or you will be eternally disappointed. Hmm. That's good. That's good. Something to chew or, on, guys. Always let them reveal their standards to you. If you expect people to act how you would act, you will be disappointed. You need to accept people's whatever it is based on what, who they are and what they're willing to do. Look at that. The more you know. <laughs>